The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I am Chris Crawford. Normally I'm joined by Colin Henderson, but he's getting some deserved time off. Actually, he's getting about 45 minutes because he's the one who's editing this podcast. But for now, he's getting some time off and he deserves it. But yeah, we'll have Colin back in a couple of weeks. Uh, before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to take the time to tell everyone, please pick up the NBC Sports Edge Draft Guide. It's got projections, rankings, mock drafts, all the information you'll need to dominate your fantasy season no matter the format. You can get it wherever books or magazines are sold, or you can get the online version, which is updated often at NBCSportsEdge.com. Really, we work hard on this thing. I, I really urge everyone to go get it. It's really awesome stuff, and that's despite the fact that I'm in it. Uh, today's guest is one of my favorites. Among his highlights, he pitched three years at the University of Stanford. He was the 13th pick of the 1997 draft, and he's covered baseball at a variety of levels for ESPN and the SEC Network. Please welcome Kyle Peterson. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's good to talk baseball. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I, I, and a, a great time to be bringing you on because we're getting, uh, while we do have a, uh, a lockout that I, I promised Kyle we would not talk about, we, we do have uh, college baseball is coming up right around the corner. Uh, I have seen, and I have covered the MLB draft for a long time, for uh, partially for ESPN and for other companies, including the one I'm doing now. And I have seen college baseball's popularity, I think, grow fairly substantially over the last few years. So I guess my question for you, Kyle, is do you feel like that that's accurate, that college baseball's popularity continues to grow? And also, how much more can it grow? Like, is there a ceiling to this? Or do you think college baseball is a sport that is just kind of continuing its rise or the beginning of its rise? Well, I hope it's it's just beginning. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would think there's plenty of room. I, I think there's a few things to it. Um, one is for it to continue to go the way that and I would agree with that. I think it's grown significantly over the last decade. I've been doing this. This is now year 20 with ESPN. Wow. Wow. Um, and when I started, the first year that I started was the first year that we did super regionals and they were on pay-per-view. There was wow. no SEC network. There was no ACC network. There, I mean, ESPNU, none of it existed. And obviously there's, there's been a lot of things. Well, I mean, in general, there's been a lot of things that have advanced in the last 20 years, but I think the importance of the game is. <clears throat> but I think the biggest thing is we need to, we as those that are involved in a collegiate baseball game, need to realize what people want to see at the same time. Baseball is a component of it. What they don't want to see is four and a half hour games. 
And so I think what we need to make sure that we're cognizant of the whole time is, is in order for it to grow to the place that I think it can, um, we also need to cater to the fans a little bit more. And, and I think sometimes um, there's a little bit of a, you know, this is the way it's always been component, which usually is not a good way to live life. But I think the product is awesome. Um, yeah. Major League Baseball has really in many ways, I think, continued to kind of give a nod to college baseball and and say, you know what, that that is a really good way to develop players. You know, the absolute top guys are still going to sign out of high school. That's totally fine, or at least right. a lot of them are. Right. But the reality is for Major League Baseball, it makes a lot more business sense for college baseball to be really good. Because now I get three years or two years to see a guy, he's in a different social setting, he's playing different players than he was in high school. And me as Major League Baseball, I have a lot better chance to be right, right. with that guy that's 20 or 21 that I've seen playing against guys that are his age and, and not living at home and all the other things that, you know, just become life realities as opposed to drafting guys at high school. So thankfully, <clears throat> it feels like 20 years ago there was this fight between, okay, you know, pro ball develops better. No, college ball develops. No, actually they both do. And that's okay. There's, there's no better or worse in the whole thing. It just depends on the kid. And I think right now the environment's pretty healthy. Yeah, I, I think there. I, I, I'm glad you brought up that symbiosis because I do think that's. I mean, look, there are situations where I would absolutely. It's it's obvious that you should recommend like a kid like Jordan Lawler last year. There was there's no reason for him to ever set foot on a, a college campus unless he wants to go take some classes to get his yeah. degree along with being a major league baseball player. Same for Marcelo Mayer. But there are lots of kids, you know, those fringe average kids who I think. Uh, are better off going to college, getting two to three or sometimes four to five years of development under quality coaches. And I think the coaching has really improved. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a sec. Yeah. But speaking of that, um, one thing that, you, that has really changed, and again, college baseball is a sport that, you know, sometimes could be a little stubborn with change. But one thing that I think is going to really change the sport or potentially is the NIL. And for those who aren't familiar with it, college college sports now has the ability for those players to go into schools for their and use their names and likeness to actually profit while they're at their institution. And Kyle, we've seen it play a major factor in college football already. I mean, I've, I've goodness knows how many coaches I heard talking about basically teams buying a recruiting class, which I think is a little, little short-sighted, but it, it is what it is. But how much do you think this can affect college baseball going forward? I don't know that we know yet. I mean, it's obviously I think at the you know at the absolute top level. I mean, top monetarily, not necessarily top from a competitive standpoint all the time, but um, it, within the Power Fives, and I would say specifically within the SEC, right? Um, there's more money to be spent in those areas, and so from that standpoint, you are going to see it. How much? I don't know. <clears throat> um, I think any level of NIL right now, people are still trying to figure out what it looks like in, you know, six months, let alone five years. Right. Because it's such uncharted waters. Um, I think it's like incredibly interesting. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's this real-time economic study that essentially is, okay, <clears throat> and from I, I think the ones that, that are probably concerned are the schools themselves. Because at the end of the day, there's only so much money that people are going to give. And in the past, they were given that money, probably, to the university. And now, ultimately, the money's being siphoned in a few different ways. Um, and I think that's one thing that gets interesting over the course of time is, 
you know, does it negatively affect the the income, I guess, or the revenue that these big athletic departments see from donors because it's going somewhere else? You got to play the game. Right. If you don't play the game right now, you're done. That's just the way that it works. Um, I don't see it as some massive negative. I mean, listen, man, you're 18 years old and you can go fight for your country and vote. I mean, I, I, I think if somebody wants to pay you money, they pay yeah. you money. Like that, that, right. That's okay. Um, and the old system was way antiquated. This is a little wild, wild west. Um, but whatever. I mean, for the most part, things normalize over time. And I, I think to make any large scale, I don't know, assumption of the way it's going to look <clears throat> from five years from now, I, nobody really has an idea. But I will tell you, I'm glad that it's here. Yeah, I, I am too, because it, it's something that, you know, has bugged me for a long time. And I do think, I think more than anything, I can see this kind of being that, that tiebreaker maybe for a kid. Like if he's, if he's going to be like a fifth or sixth round pick, maybe he's like a coach's kid who would love to go play for his dad, but can't really justify going to school. If maybe there's some sort of tie-in that you can do with something like that, where you could make a little bit of money, maybe that's something. And, and that can be good or bad, I guess. I mean, yeah. this is, like you said, uncharted territory. I do kind of wonder about how some of the smaller conferences are going to deal with this type of stuff. Like one of the fun things about college baseball is, is you don't like, there are national powers that are not from those traditional power five schools that you see in college baseball or college basketball, excuse me, in college football. So I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see what happens, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head that it's in uh, uncharted territory. Uh, Kyle is a former pitcher. I wanted to ask you this one especially because pitch counts was a thing that was very it's it's always going to be heavily discussed in college sport or in any type of amateur type of sports situation. Yeah. It just is. It feels to me like it's getting better. Like we aren't seeing as much like I was very critical of unfortunately some arms that uh some Pac-12 schools that I and other schools as well, but particularly a couple of Pac-12 schools that I thought overworked some of the better arms in the class. And I don't see that happening yeah. as much. Do you feel like that's something that's getting better? And is that's is that a changing of the guard or is it just new information? My freshman year in college, I threw 10 complete games. <clears throat> I think I had 19 starts. Wow. I don't know what it was. Uh, now, I didn't do that after that. The next few years were a little bit different. but And that was, I mean, now – 20, 27 years ago. Um, but it was different, right? Yeah. And the other thing is, is I wouldn't change anything. I, I, I loved it. Did it affect my career? I have no idea if it affected my career. I mean, I had three shoulder surgeries later on, which ultimately led me to get out of the game. But I, I, was that a factor? And I have no idea. I think the hardest thing with pitch counts is it feels like, like we don't know. Okay. So for Jimmy or Billy or Danny, <clears throat> the impact that it has on their body and their arm, if they go through 100, 120, 140, we, we don't know. Um, I think it's safe to say we know it's not overly beneficial. Right. But ultimately, is it overly detrimental? I'm not sure. At the end of the day, um, it is, it's just smart business practice to make sure that it's, that it's checked a little bit more. But I think the biggest reason is, because of people like you, honestly, it's because people looked at it and said, Hey, hold on. Like this isn't. And I mean, listen, I, Keith Locke drives me nuts a lot of times and stuff that he writes, but 
the reality is Keith was out in front of it. I don't like the way that he characterized it sometimes. Sure. But <clears throat> the reality is, is, is it needed a voice? Um, and I can tell you who wasn't going to be the voice is the people that were doing it. Right. Because you want to play. I mean, if I get a chance to go out there, no. Yeah. I, that's why I'm there. I want to go back out there. But the reality is, is the job of a coach, and I think we're seeing it more now, is to say no. Like, if it's entirely up to the player, what the hell's the reason for a coach to be there? Right. I mean, let the kids fill out their own lineup card and go play. So I think now there's more accountability, obviously. There's also more data. I mean, you can go on however many sites you want to see right now and see what the pitch count was for any game in the country. And, and so for those reasons, I, I think that there has to be more accountability because ultimately there's more eyes. There's more eyes, there's more people that are paying attention. And, and I do think in the long term that it is better for, for kids. Now, totally separate discussion, and I don't need to take it off the rails to this, but I, if you're going to do that, like, I'd be totally fine if you had a pitch count in college baseball. If you just pitch count mandatory rest, Little League Baseball does some things that I think are really good. Yeah. And one is that <clears throat> is when I started doing the Little League World Series, the pitching regulations were based on innings, which I think Vela made now made no sense. I mean, you could yeah. throw five pitches in an inning or 40 pitches in an inning. Right. And now it's pitch count mandatory rest that goes along with it. And I would love for Dr. Andrews and whoever else to sit down and say, you know what, this is what it should be. Right. And let college baseball go adopt that. Because at the end of the day, if I'm a coach, now I don't have a choice. Like, it takes any level of, okay, well, he's really good today, and I want to send it back out there. Well, you can't because he's over a number, whatever it is. Um, expand the roster limit a little bit. I'd be totally fine if you if you put a pitch count mandatory rest on college baseball. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I think it is something that I think should be considered. I mean, it's it's for the betterment of the game and it's for the betterment of the development of players. Ultimately, you're not going to get Mark Appel is not going to tell you that I want to come out of this game after throwing 125 pitches or Jack Leiter or any other college arm that comes into my mind right now. They're not going to tell you that I want to come out of this baseball game. Now, I know that it's tough. It's a, probably a thin line between player development and babysitter. But you got to I mean, you got to keep those things in mind. And I think recruits, are, it, I, it has to be cognizant with them, with parents and with, you know, the, the, the player representatives and stuff like that. It's just a real tough situation. Um, but it's, it's one that I'm, I'm glad that we're having more discussions about yeah. for sure. Um, mm-hmm. The 2022 season, 2022 season coming up pretty quick. Um, I'll ask you, who, who do you think are the favorites for this year? I, I, I know that the SEC is going to be loaded because the SSC is always loaded and it's always going to be that way. But I see some other teams from some other conferences that have a chance to play, uh, I think, in Omaha coming this year, too. Uh, who do you think are among those favorites? Yeah, I, I kind of leave that to Kendall and Aaron and the boys. They, yeah. they dive into it a little bit more. I mean, a few that I think LSU is intriguing for a variety of reasons. Offensively, they're going to be really good. Sure. Um, I think the biggest question is how much are they going to pitch? And if they do pitch, um, then I'd be surprised if, if LSU is not, you know, right near the top by the time we get to the end of the year. You're right. I mean, you go around the SEC. I mean, whether it's Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida, which was a surprising year last year for Florida because, I mean, going into the season, they were everybody's number one and <clears throat> you line everything up and it looked like they were there and they, 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 they weren't very good. Over the course, at least not nearly as good as we thought that it would be. I have a hunch that, that they will be back this year. Um, you know, and then there's teams like Notre Dame that come out of nowhere last year and they're 
a few swings away from potentially getting Omaha. Yeah. I, I wish Pitt would have got into the postseason last year because I thought they deserved it. And for the job that Mike and his staff has done and build a program up that really didn't have any history of any significant history of baseball. Um, those types of stories are good. You know, I had Southern Miss in the in the postseason. Um, I think Southern Miss is one of those teams that, again, I mean, they, they lost a few arms. Man, their position group is really good. Um, and if they can get a few arms back, I think Southern Miss is a team that could make a coastal jump and get to Omaha. Not necessarily win it. I mean, but can they? that hadn't happened for at least a long time. Um, yeah. And I, that's that's a team to me that's a little bit off the radar on the, the team that's, you know, 50 minutes down I-80. Will Bolt's got Nebraska in a really good place right now. Nice. And I think that what he had going, um, there's there's a different buzz in the state than there has been in a long time about Nebraska baseball, and that's a good thing. Yes. And then what they had going when Dave was there and the three trips to Omaha when they'd never been there before, you know, I'm – Fortunately, I've been in the College Bowl Series a lot of times over the last 40 years. Um, I've never seen the environment like I saw when Nebraska was there, ever. It just it was a totally different feel. And if Will can figure out a way to get him back there, um, it'd be it'd be a pretty oh. cool thing for the state. Yeah, I, th- I think that's great. I would say if I was going to pick a team to win it all this year, like if I had to for some reason on uh, mm-hmm. when we're recording on February 9th, I think Texas might be my favorite right now. I think they're yeah. just the best all-around team, and that's kind of fun to see because I think college baseball, when yeah. when, when those teams like Texas and mm-hmm. those, and like you said, Nebraska and those programs are at their best, I think that's um, mm-hmm. that 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 makes the sport all that much better. Uh, the Bengals and Rams are the only teams left in the NFL postseason, and NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you a special offer: get fifteen percent off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout the playoffs. When you use promo code PLAYOFF15, get every tool for every game at one low price. It's easier than ever to play and wager with confidence when you have NBC Sports Edge Plus. Got to ask you, Kyle, who's winning on Sunday? Um, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I, I, <laughs> I'll take the Bengals. Gotcha. <clears throat> Joe Burrows is such an interesting – I mean, and the, the Stafford story and the Rams story is great, too. Oh, it's great. <clears throat> but, and the Joe Burrow thing, Joe Burrow thing, which incidentally, it's interesting. You know, he's, he's got Nebraska ties, and Nebraska didn't offer him when he went to LSU. And so now it's this huge, continual outcry from the state of Nebraska. Like, how do we oh, yeah. But, um, he's, a, he's a hard guy to not root for. I mean, I'll, I'll take the one that is right on the border of, of confident and arrogant. Yeah. Uh, and, and he walks that line, but he has earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. Oh, he's so impressive. And I'll be honest with you, I've got some rookie cards that would do well if Joe Burrow wins this thing. So I will be rooting. I will be rooting for the. Yeah, yeah. I, I will be rooting for the Bengals to win, but I think it'll be a really good game, and that's all I ask for. Uh, before we close, I want to ask you about a few players, if you don't mind, especially the first. Uh, the name that I get asked about on Twitter quite a bit is is Jacob Berry, who is going to be playing for LSU, who you were yep. talking about just put up monster numbers and now is heading to that LSU program. Is this a legitimate contender for the first overall pick in your mind? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the, the pack is a really good league. Don't get me wrong. So, I mean, yeah. leaving the pack is not, it's not like he was out there facing you know, guys no. that, that are at lower level collegiate yeah. baseball. But the reality is, is there's, 
routinely, there's no arms like he's going to face in the SEC, just across the board. So I think from Barry's standpoint, and probably from a professional standpoint, the biggest advantage for the scouts is they get to see him, I mean, against Friday night guys from the top programs in the country every single week. And there really is, I mean, there's across the board, there's more top end velo in the SEC than there is in in most other conferences. I think that's the biggest thing you need to see with kids coming out of college because when you get into pro ball, like you're facing velo, no matter where you go, and you're going to consistently face more of it. So I'm intrigued to see if the consistency is there given that gauntlet that he's going to go through. But yeah, I mean, it, it's everything he's shown you up to this point says he should absolutely be in the discussion. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is my top college bat. I have to be honest with you. I have three high school bats at the top of the class to start the year, and Drew Jones, Tamar Johnson, and Elijah Green. But then Barry is is right in that group for me. Um, and then a guy who's just a notch below that for me, and I'm curious to your take on him, is Brooks Lee. And one of the reasons yeah. I'm a little bit more intrigued by him is all due respect to the class last year, the shortstop group was not great in 2021. Right. Um, probably not, as gr- not great in terms of quantity either in 2022 at least to start the year but Brooks Lee is a legitimate uh, in terms of at least the college shortstops we obviously had some very good high school shortstops in the class but he looks legit to me so I'll ask you two questions one do you think he is a professional MLB shortstop and two is he a guy that you think would be in that mix for that first overall selection as well well I I think the answer to your second question is probably the answer to the first where if 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 pro teams think he sticks at shortstop, right. then ultimately he becomes in the in the discussion for for one one. Is if you know if if the bat plays a whole year, which it, I mean it, you would think the bat's going to continue to play. I think that's the biggest thing is whether or not you think he can stick at the spot. I mean, if he's got to move to second, theoretically if he's got to move to third, then the you know the viability of the bat starts to change pretty quick, and you start looking at things you wouldn't look at nearly as much if he's going to stick at shortstop. Right. I. You know, I've heard a lot of scouts talk about, not necessarily Brooks, but just collegiate shortstops in general, to where if they're a fringe guy or you think they're a fringe guy, make them play their way out of it in the minor leagues. Right. Because you don't really know until you get them in that situation. And, and I, it would feel like he's going to be one of those guys. So somebody may dream, dream on him right away and say, yes, he's absolutely it. But stick a shortstop, and ultimately it's it's only going to benefit his, his draft number. But um, – yeah, everything you've seen at this point, you know, and I think it gets it probably gets overstated because dad's a coach. He's been around the game forever. But right. You know, baseball player. The guy's just a baseball player. That's great. He's a base. He's, he's actually really good. I mean, yes, he's a baseball player. And he, he, you know, he understands the nuances of the game because of where he's been. But the reality is he can flat play. Yeah. Um, and I think the only question is whether or not he stays it short or has to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I, I think that based on my limited looks, I think he's a shortstop. And I think that's a great point. You run him out of shortstop until he can't play shortstop. It's very Absolutely. similar to me. It's very similar to me in the the starter reliever thing. Now, unless you think he's Garrett Crochet and going to like mow down guys right when you get called up, you might as well see if he's a starter before you make that move to the bullpen. Like Because yep. there's just so much more value in those guys. Uh, and speaking of pitching, so this pitching class is – Interesting. Um, that is the probably the nice way to say it to start the year. Obviously, we will have a ton of pop-up guys that come up. But unfortunately, a lot of the guys that we were excited about coming into the year are not going to get to pitch this year. Guys like Connor Prelip, uh, unfortunately going to miss the year. Um, and uh, the, the arm out of Arkansas, whose name just uh, 
escaped me, but uh, it, it's it's a disappointing thing to see. And now Blake Tidwell, who actually I think might be the most talented pitcher in this class, dealing with some shoulder shortness and going to miss the start of the year. But do you think Blake Tidwell has a chance to be that first college arm off the board? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, Berkey was just down there. He did a deal the other night with um, with Phil Garner at a, a Tennessee uh, kind of whatever preseason deal. And, I mean, from what I've heard, Tidwell's playing catch was a good thing. That's great. I think the biggest question is just, you know, when does he come back? And, right. and what does he look like when he's full speed? Shoulders scare me more than elbows in part yeah. because they cut on mine three times. Yeah. And the rehab that comes with that is a little bit like if yeah, I, I would have – I would have much rather had Tommy John than I've had a labrum and a cuff and struck my shoulder cap. So it's just, there's, there's less moving parts associated with it and guys come back better. And that's my, that's what would spook me. Uh, but I also think they're probably being overly conservative with him right now too. Right. To make sure, listen, let's give more time right now. If it was you know, May, maybe it's a little bit different, but for now we got plenty of time. And honestly, the conference season doesn't start for another six weeks anyway. So but I'm with you. I mean, listen, the guy's, you know, which I know is not a rarity anymore, but he's 94 to 98 with a wipeout slider. Um, and he competes like a son of a buck. Like it's, and he's done it at a really, you know, low age for that league to have gotten right. the way that he competed. So um, if healthy, yeah, absolutely. If, if, if there's any, if there's any bump over what we saw last year, I'd be surprised if you know he's, he's not top five, top ten. Yeah, I, I, I think he's got a real chance to be in that. Again, it's going to depend on health. And like you said, shoulder stuff, it's just different. It's yeah. just something that is your teams are going to have to really do their homework on. A guy that I don't think the teams are going to have to do their homework on as much. I love this kid, and I'm sure you do too. Landon Sims is just – one of my favorite, he's one of my favorite college pitchers that I've watched over the last couple of years, just because that bulldog mentality and that bulldog mentality is nice. But when you have that type of stuff too, yeah. uh, it, it's a little different thing. It's very easy for me to see him being a fast track reliever, but if you're drafting Landon Sims and congratulations, you've just drafted Landon Sims. Are you making him a starter or are you making him a reliever and just saying, here we go, I have my eighth or ninth inning guy in my major league system? Well, I think you're going to wait and see what the next few months look like, right? I mean, the last thing I heard from Mississippi State is is they want him to start. And he's trained to start. And so ultimately, I, I think you see the way that he rolls through. You already know what he can do at the back end of a bullpen. Absolutely. I mean, we said it when when we were on the air last Like You could have put Landon Simpson in the big leagues last year and brought him out of the bullpen and nobody would have played. No, nope. um, because I, I, he understands like he oversimplifies, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. He oversimplifies approach. He's got a high spin four seamer that he knows how to use. He keeps it at the top end of the zone. Obviously, the velos there, but the reality is the ball. I mean, the ball carries the way that you want that pitch to carry. I mean, it's right. the one that we're all talking about in the professional level now. That now, obviously, college guys are figuring out. But ultimately, the true value is going to be: is he going to start? And I think the biggest advantage the pro teams, right? You know, how often have you seen over the last however many years, I mean, forever, teams that look at a reliever and say, we think he can start. Right. Well, you haven't seen it. Like, I mean, you may think he can, but the reality is, is you're having to make a decision based on something you haven't seen. Now they're going to get a chance, at least it would appear, to see what he looks like when he starts. 
And I think from his standpoint, monetarily, and from a career standpoint, it's it's good to make a run at it. Right. Because you don't have to prove the other one. The other one's already been proven. Yeah. So if you prove this one, you're probably going to make another couple million bucks. I mean, it's just, that's the way the whole thing works. And if you don't, well, I mean, you'd probably start in double A and you're in the big leagues in a year. So life is either really good or life is really good. (laughs) I love watching the kid pitch. Yeah, he's he's one of my absolute favorites. I mean, he he is just death to right-handers right now. Like yes. you could put you could put him in a bullpen right now and just be like if if we had those situational relievers. But I think he has a golden opportunity here because of what's going on with this pitching class. If he shows that he can start, yeah. the big question here is I think that he, the delivery is fine. It's going to be that third pitch. Is is that changeup going to be good enough? Because we really haven't seen it, and I guess we didn't really see it over. There weren't any really reports over the fall, but apparently he does have confidence in the pitch. But I think there's a really good opportunity for him if he is because he offers that high floor. Um, if, if he shows the ceiling too with that change, if that could be a, a, an average pitch, I think he's got a chance to be one of the first players just overall in this class that comes off the board. You know, I would agree. I mean, listen, at the beginning of the year last year, nobody was talking about Will Bednar. And the more that no. you watch Bednar pitch, <clears throat> the more that you went, you know what, that stuff's going to play pretty much anywhere. Um, and I think with Sims, I would agree. You know the first two, like the first two play. Yeah. And whether the first two play. But the other thing is, is they stretched him out a lot. Yeah. Like he was not a three-out guy. No. I mean, he, he was he was coming in sometimes in the seventh, and everybody else was taking their spikes off. So it, it's you, you know that there's some length there. And I think that, you know what, the, just because we've seen guys do it at the big league level, the importance of a, a third pitch is still very important. Don't get me wrong. But I, I don't. I also don't think it's a. Um, it's an eliminating factor the way that it used to be. No, you know. I mean, previously, like, well, starter, you got to three, you got to four pitches, you got to have all this stuff. Right. Well, if you get two really good ones, yep, you may be able to get by with throwing four changeups a game. It may not make any difference. And, yeah. and so I, I think just the general mentality of that has mm-hmm. changed over time. Absolutely. I think the big thing too with him is like, if he can't have that third pitch then just got to manipulate the slider more. One of them's got to be more like the cutter that bears into the left hands and then the slider, your traditional dip and dive type of pitch. So, yeah, I think that'll be very interesting to see. Uh, Mississippi State is going to be very good again. Um, Before I let you go, I have to ask you this. If I'm making a trip to Omaha Mm -hmm. and I'm at the Drover, what do I got to order for my first time? So the Drover's known <clears throat> for their whiskey steak, okay? Yes. So there's a variety of whiskey steaks, but I mean, any, any level of steak that that is of the whiskey variety, I would recommend. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot of things that have changed in this world, but one thing that's gone by the wayside is a legitimate salad bar with a sneeze guard oh. that has actual cold plates. Nice. And that's what you'll find at, at the Drover. It's got the old school sneeze guard. It's got the cold plates when you go through it. It has the very fake bacon bits at the end that'll chip your teeth. Like it's the kind of stuff that you really want to have. Oh God. Yeah. That's what's got. Right. Yeah. So those are, so we're going whiskey, steak, something. And then we're going salad bar just for the people don't experience salad bar that way anymore. Like kid, my my kid doesn't know what a salad bar is. It's kind of embarrassing, but in this case, not that I'm necessarily doing it for the salad. It's more for the experience. I think it's sure. 
Sure. The, it's the, it's almost like Dairy Queen. Hot eats cool treats, but it's a South Park right. mixed in with it instead. Yeah. Man, that sounds really good right now. I have uh, missed going out to places like that. I'm going to try to get out to Omaha someday because it's good. on the bucket list. And man, that every single person I've talked to, particularly Aaron and Kendall, of course, have just raved about the Drover. And it's... Uh, it's well, they're definitely. on exchange report at that point. That's a problem. <laughs> they're on exchange report, so they're going to blow it out when they get there. Jeez, that maybe they'll have to start signing NILs at this point to be yeah. able to, uh, okay. to afford it. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for taking part in this. Yeah, uh, please, uh, please promote uh, what's going on at ESPN. I just saw that you guys are going to be mm-hmm. carrying something like two thousand yeah. games this year. So uh, please uh, wax poetically. That's what I'm told. Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, we talked about the growth of the game earlier and, and this is the time of year that I, I, I think you really start to see it is just from a digital standpoint, all those that are going to be offered. So we had first pitch a week from Friday and, and then, and then we're off and going. So I don't have my schedule yet, but I know that there's going to be plenty of them. And then Kendall and Aaron and all the other boys at D1 baseball, um, do some awesome work. And that, that's been a fun, um, it's been a fun journey over the last six years, just understanding the game more and, and those that we serve through both ESPN and D1 and figuring out what they want more of and what they want less of. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that we did it. So it's a fun ride to be on with those guys. And, you know, Lord knows now 20 years into this college baseball ride, I guess, with ESPN, yeah. um, it continues to get better. So it, it's um, it's a fun time. It's like spring training. It's the same thing. Like everybody's got a chance, you know. Everybody's got a chance to win the whole thing, and, and there's good stories to be told all over the place. Absolutely. Well, you guys do a terrific job of it, and those guys, at, you guys at D1 Baseball as well. I mean, it, D1Baseball.com, if you guys are into the draft or just into college mm-hmm. baseball at all, needs to be added to your bookmark because they just do terrific work over there. Just the fact to be able to see scores and to be able to see stuff yeah. like that is a big benefit it's not always easy to find it is not um i I, heaven knows that when i was doing the mlb draft the amount of pages i had to have open (laughs) to be able to get box scores um and you guys have made that uh so much easier so thanks again uh for kyle to joining us you can follow him on twitter at kp underscore omaha and you can follow me at crawford underscore milb a lot of underscores next week dj and drew will be joined by a very special guest so be on the lookout for that if you liked what you're hearing please rate the show wherever you can five stars is really appreciated and again i'm going to promote that draft guide if you see it in a bookstore if you see it in barnes and noble if you see it wherever they're selling magazines or if you just want to get the online version which gets updated all of the time please do so thanks again and have a wonderful day Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.